0: Welcome and thank you for tuning into the Promise Center's weekly podcast. We hope that this message blesses you and encourages you to take your next step in following Jesus. As always, feel free to check us out at www.thepromisecenter.com for more information on our church, what we're doing to make a difference in Sonoma County, and how you can partner with us. God bless and enjoy this week's message. turn your attention to Luke chapter 23 and verse 39. Luke chapter 23 and verse 39. And we're going to read a portion of the story of Jesus on the cross. And uh, here's what happens a lot of times. Things become familiar, and when stories as important as this become familiar, they can become dangerous. We've got to to inspect what we expect. We've got to look look deep because if it doesn't phase us, it won't change us. And we need to go back and see how tangible, how real, and and how potent this passage is. And I want to show you just, again, just a few snippets out of just five verses out of a long story of, of Jesus for several hours on the cross. But Luke chapter 23 and 39 says this. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying... Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. So that's the first guy. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? We indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. I want you to see this, that two men, because of the decisions of their life, a lot of bad decisions, end up with capital punishment on a hill. It's a life sentence. It's death by cross. And there they are hanging. The breath that's in their lungs is being taken out of them because of the decisions that they have made. Unbeknownst to them, they would be hanging next to Jesus. Jesus unbeknownst to them, their worst day would be a setup for their best day ever. And here's what's amazing, is the two had totally diametrically different responses to Jesus. Can you imagine that? Seeing the same thing. Can you imagine that? Like both being there, witnessing the exact same thing and responding completely different? One says, if you're the Christ, save me, save yourself. Let's get out, let's get out of Dodge. Do something really cool, Jesus. And the other said, hey, we deserve this. Like, this this is what we get. We were wrong. Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus says, hey, look, I know it's the last moments of your life, but here's the kingdom i'm opening it up to you and he he slides in i love the grace and goodness the reckless love of god he slides into the kingdom of god amen it's like it's like you're at a table and someone someone you know you've ordered and, and the bill comes and 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 you get the short arm you ever had the short arm before i've been with people who have had the short arm they go for it they don't quite get it they can't quite pay i'll take it jesus is like i'll take the bill right into the kingdom. I'm so thankful for the reckless love of God. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts today to you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for what we're feeling in this room, what you're doing in our hearts. I pray that your living word would teach the written word. In Jesus' name, amen. Two totally different responses to Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 18 says this, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So it, to some, it's like, this is ridiculous. This is weird. This is bizarre. This guy, Jesus died on a cross, big whoop, big deal. But even the idea that today, like we celebrate the cross, that a cross like is on our screen, that like we see crosses on steeples and we see crosses around people's necks. And like the cross is the symbol of Christianity, if you will. It's not like, hey, that's a good logo. Let's do that. When you really realize like, like it would be the equivalent of like the guillotine, or be the equivalent of like some kind of capital punishment, like, like uh, death, death by poison or death, death, by, death by shooting. Everyone, we're gonna just shoot and we're gonna put guns on, on the wall and say, uh, this, this is the symbol of our faith. This was the capital punishment that Rome used. This is what was used to strike fear in those who were under Roman oppression. And yet now, today, because of what Jesus did, he took the very strongest symbol of fear and turn it into a symbol of faith and hope. That's what Jesus does. Jesus is bad to the bone. So for some people, it's like, this is foolish. But for some of us, we go, this is where it all changed. This is where my story changed. My life is not what's happened to me. My life is what has happened for me and what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. So humanity brought its worst and its best to the cross. And there's this moment where where it's like the offering to heaven. We see people, three, spanning between heaven and earth. And we see this really crazy picture. The Messiah, the Savior, the hope of the world, and two different responses. And this is what the Bible says about the rulers of the world and even the spirit of darkness. It says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 7, No, we declared God's wisdom a mystery, that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began none of the rulers of this age understood it for if they had they would have not crucified the lord of glory can you can you picture that like they're like uh oh what do we just do like the devil's like the best idea we came up with was to kill the messiah and this has totally mess us up right how many knows the devil's a hater he drinks what we call aid. Come on, somebody. And he got it wrong. He thought by crushing the Christ, he thought by breaking the Messiah, didn't realize he was fulfilling prophecy that there'd be a suffering savior that would come. And when his body was broken, you and I wouldn't have to be broken anymore. The cross is the symbol of hope. Even the devil's like, big mistake. The cross is where God showed his unbridled love. It's where we saw the fury of God's hate towards sin. It's like, this is God's holiness. This is God's wrath. How much I hate sin because I hate sin because it ruins lives. It destroys people's hearts. It destroys people's futures. I hate sin, but it also demonstrates his passion of how much he loves the sinner, how much he loves people, how much he loves you and I. It is the demonstration of his passion. That's why Acts chapter one calls it the passion of Christ. He could have called the Calvary of Christ. It could have called it many things, but the Bible calls it his passion. It was his passion. It was his future. It was his love on display. We saw his love and passion for the sick on the cross. It's the remodel of the human heart, an antidote for every spiritual poison. It's the elevated standard by which all life now and forever is measured. It is the precision of God's masterful care to destroy sin without destroying the host of sin, humanity, you and I. It's the bullseye where Jesus destroyed the works of the devil, atoned for sin because he's a spotless lamb, became our substitute, fixed every broken relationship, healed every disease, secured life for the believer, and forgave sins, all debts paid, signed, sealed, delivered, just turning the paperwork, it's done. All at the cross. That's really good news. And yet, today, just like 2,000 years ago at Calvary's Cross, we may have two different responses. We may walk out of here, and there may be some who respond like thief number one, a cynic, a critic, unsure, full of doubt, emotional doubt, emotional pain, going, how could this be? Why would you let this happen? Fix my problem. And we want to look at the first thief because this thief represents a thief in all of us. A thief in all of us wants to steal the victory that Christ has destined for us. There's a little bit of each of these guys inside of us. And the first guy, it's going to be interesting to note that what he did not recognize, he did not recognize he was a sinner. The second dude's like, hey, we deserve what we're getting. I get it. We've messed up. We've done wrong. We've made bad decisions. Dude, we deserve this. The first guy's like, get me out of here. It's just escapism. Fix my problem. Get me out of here. I want to, I want to go. I don't care about change. I just want, I want to get out of this problem. And because he didn't recognize he was a sinner, he could not recognize the savior. And the first key is to recognize and embrace the idea hey, I've made mistakes. I'm not a mistake. But there's some things that I, beyond myself, cannot fix. I need a savior. Have you ever, remember those old pictures back in the day? This is like late 80s, early 90s. Everyone was doing it. Like it was the picture where you had to look real close and kind of cross your eyes. And you would kind of pull back and, and, and like there would be a picture pop out, 3D picture. Anybody remember that? Okay. Because I, the, in the, the service this morning, I said, anybody remember that? Like one person was like, yeah, I think so. I was like, did I dream that that happened? And we'd have like a group of people like looking, and one person would be like, I see it, it's a dolphin, a beautiful dolphin. And I'd be like, I wanna see it, I wanna see it. So I'm like, Lord, help me see it. I'm like, help me. Finally, I saw it, I was like, yes, everybody, there's a dolphin. And you always have someone who's like, there's no dolphin. You are, you, 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 this, this looks like an acid piece of paper. This does not look like a picture. And you're trying to figure out what has, what has the room snippet. I'm telling you, there was a dolphin on that picture. I saw it. And when you see it, you want other people to see it. It's there. And when you see Jesus, when you see the Savior, you're like, I want everyone to see it. And, and this guy's like, he sees it. The first guy, he can't see it because he can't see his need for a Savior. He sees his need for someone to get him off the cross. That's it. And so what's amazing is the guy who sees that he deserves this punishment and deserves what he's getting ultimately doesn't get what he deserved. And the guy who doesn't see that he deserved it gets what he deserved. What a paradox there. And so this is the man's response. He says, if you are, then do this. If you are the Christ, then Fix this, do this. If you are God, then do this. If you are real, then do this. If God really cares, then why doesn't he do this? This is the posture of thief number one. He's processing God through his pain, not realizing that God has stepped into his world and is hanging right next to him, giving him the best and closest opportunity he'll ever have to know the Lord in this life. Jesus stepped into his mess, stepped into his problem, and yet he doesn't recognize it. All he wants to do is go, if you are who you say you are, then do something. And there's this posture in our society. If God is good, then why doesn't he do something? So either God is not good or there is no God. That's the logical conclusion. And I hear that all the time. That's the logical conclusion. No. Here's the real logical conclusion. If there is no God, then everything we're doing in this life is rubbish. If there is no God, there is no morality. There is no virtue. There is no God, and we're just on this this planet spinning around at 67,000 miles an hour around a sun. In a universe, the cosmos, that the second law of thermodynamics is telling us, at some point... Will break down and go away. That star we call sun at some time will either explode out or turn into a black hole. But at the end of the day, stapling papers, signing, making the buck, building something, at the end of the day, it all goes away. There is no hope and no meaning if there is no God. In fact, if there is no God, there is no you. You're just dirt and chemical reactions. There is no you. If there is no God, there is no justice. That's the, that's the hot item today, justice for this. And I believe in justice. The Bible teaches justice. Women's rights, believe in it. Uh, uh, there, there's sex trafficking. We, we gotta do it justice. But where does that come from? That doesn't come from Darwinian natural selection. Darwinian natural, uh, natural selection says the strong get stronger and the weak get weaker. This is just the natural process of chemicals trying to survive to keep doing what they're doing. In fact, if There is no God at the end of the day, folks. There is no love. What you feel for your children is not love. There is no virtue. What you feel for your children is all about self-preservation. That's the instinct of this cosmic Chaos that turned into coincidence, that turned into chance plus time plus chance plus time that produced us with mind and feeling and desires with eternity in our heart. We're going, why? But all those thirsts and all those aspirations and all those questions that you have, it's all just chemical reactions. Right. Christopher Hitchens, the guy who made atheism sexy, he was dying of cancer. And in a hospital room, this, his, his, the, 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 they would come in, the doctors would come in and say, Your body is doing well. He goes, Don't say that. He said, I am my body. I don't have a body. I am a body. Come back in. Hey, your body's doing well. No, no. Tell me I'm doing well. I don't have a body. I am a body. Because when it's done, it's done. It's over. There is no meaning. So what we reduce life to, life is reduced to throw pillows. Anybody have throw pillows at their house, in their bed? My wife has decided that our entire bed, from the headboard to the baseboard, has to be full of pillows. I still understand it. We're still debating this issue. I don't, we, take them, we take them off and I put them back on. And you can't just put them back on. You've got to place them like there's an order to how it works. It's like a puzzle that I'm never getting right because she's always switching it up. It's a moving target. I tell her literally if someone's parachute, they're skydiving, their parachute doesn't open. If they land on our bed, they're safe. Like they will be okay. We have enough pillows to save people whose parachutes don't work. No purpose. No point to this, okay? Still very frustrated about it. Every night, every morning. And if we reduce life down to matter, non-conscious material, and we just lucked out to be able to observe the universe, to think about thinking about it, we got really lucky. That's all it is. Paul said... Wine and dine, eat and sleep, live life today, because tomorrow it's all rubbish. It's all gone. There is no meaning. So this man has reduced Jesus down to, if you're real, then do something. And what he doesn't recognize is Jesus is doing what the man really needs him to do. And sometimes the best answers that God gives to your prayer is not answering what you asked. Because if he answered and got down from the cross and got these two thieves off the cross, then you and I and those thieves would die in our sins with no hope. I feel like a lot of times we pray prayers asking things of God. God's like, that's a good idea, but way secondary, maybe third. Can I tell you what I'm really up to? I'm up to saving souls, changing lives, healing homes, touching and bringing life back to humanity. You don't know what you're asking. And so the cross matters and it makes a difference. The cross changes lives. So we have to first say, I get it. I don't deserve this reckless love. The third thing that people do Thief number one is we come in with a pre-commitment to our ideas. Unwilling to hear and listen. And again, the gospel of Jesus is not a thinkless, thoughtless gospel. It is is etched in prophecy right before our eyes with Israel. 70 years of being a nation, unheard of after 1,900 years of of being dispersed all through the world, being brought back. The the world says, become a nation again in nineteen. Forty-eight, and in, and in May, just next month, is the 70-year anniversary of Israel being a nation. Right before us is a prophecy that if you were to bet money, you'd bet against it. It would never happen because World War I, World War II prepared the people for a nation, prepared the nation for a people. These two major events, catastrophic, fulfilling prophecies, so many prophecies. The tangible evidence of Jesus' resurrection, so much for us to be able to go, yes, Yes, this is not a thinkless theology, but this is built into, built into a faith that is solid, rock solid. And my prayer is that you, when you walk out of here, you know that you know that you know that today you can be living in the kingdom of God and his paradise. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Thief number two. The question is, is this fair? This is what people always bring up. The thief on the cross, the guy who gets in by the skin of his teeth. The guy doesn't deserve it. Can we all like, like we, all, you know, we can all agree to that, I believe. Because we want people to deserve it. We want people to earn it. And the first thing you've got to understand is you are not saved by works. Well, let me say this. You are saved by works, just not yours. You're saved by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So we all think like, at some point, we've got to do something. We, we, we've, gotta, we've, gotta, we've got to add to it. Can we add something to it to make it better? You can't. And so we go, that's not fair. But fairness only works when it's fair for you. We only demand fair when it works for us. I'll give you an example. My son Joshua plays basketball um, twice a year. He's super awesome. I think he's the best. And my wife is, she's helping me to be able to be more docile whenever I'm at the games. I've learned to sit on my hands because, you know, I'm very animated and even more animated when he's playing because I really want him to win. I'm the loud dad. So the last two years I've been really good. She's like, honey, I'm so proud of you. That's a whole nother sermon for another day. Self control. But, anyways, <clears throat> Joshua's playing. He's running up and down the court, and Josh gets fouled. And the ref doesn't call it. And I'm like, what is happening? I can't believe these refs are blind as bats. Riddle me this, Batman. Can you see what's happening right now? Come on, ref. And then Josh will be playing and he'll foul someone and the ref doesn't call it. And I'll be like, thank you, Lord. You're so good. You're so faithful. You know what I mean? Like... Like it's really good when it works for us. We want mercy when it's good for us, right? We want justice when it works for us. But the gospel is so messy because I'm sure there was somebody at the bottom of the cross looking up at that thief going, this guy's getting exactly what he deserves. Exact. He stole from me. He took some money from me. He took my little wax figure from me. He took my little whatever, Flintstone car for me. I don't know. Stole something. Somebody is celebrating the justice that's happening. And Jesus turns and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And I'm sure they'd be like, what just happened here? That's not fair. Because grace is not fair. It's sloppy and it's messy. And it reaches into your mess. And it gives you what you don't deserve. Not at one moment have we deserved this This unbridled love that God has given us through Jesus Christ. Not at one moment will you walk into this church and say, God, it earned it, deserve it. I've worked hard enough, I've been faithful enough. Not at one point will we go to heaven and be around the throne and everyone's gonna turn to you or turn to me and go, Great job, so proud of you. If you hadn't worked hard, you wouldn't have got here. All of eternity, we'll be looking at the Lamb saying, Glory and honor and praise to the Lamb who was worthy to open the book of life because the 24 elders dressed in white, these are the best of the best. These are the courageous. These are the, these are the most holy men. They couldn't open the book. Right. It was like the sword in the stone. Can't get it. And the lamb comes out of the throne. Book of Revelation. He opens the book and the 24 elders fall and say, holy And worthy. This is not something you get because you earn it or deserve it. It's reckless love, it's sloppy love. And he comes and he says, I'll step into your mess. In the worst day of your life, I'll step into your mess, and you just turn and look, and I'll be there waiting for you. We've all had some hard days. We've all had some broken moments. We've all had those times we felt alone and life has served us a bad dish, but we turn and there he is with us in our mess. And so our tendency to run is our, is called sin, running from God, running from God, his entire life. He ran, 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 but God's goodness and kindness and tendency to chase us is his grace our tendency to run is sin, and his tendency to chase us is his love and his grace. At the age of 15, school, Dulles High School, Sugar Land, Texas, they had what is called the Sadie Hawkins dance. This is where the girl invites the guy, asks the guy to go to the dance. And so I caught wind of a very sweet girl, pretty girl, good moral christian girl like just upstanding like if i was to pick someone to ask i would have picked her I mean, it's megan i heard she was going to pick me she was going to come and ask me and it became the weirdest thing as soon as i heard that a person that i knew like every time i saw her i started to avoid her she'd be walking down the hallway and i'd be like dum 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 like seriously like no, 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 no! I mean, literally, I'm like, what is wrong with me? And like the 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 day I heard this like like ten days before the dance. Like for so an entire week, I'm like avoiding her. I'm like sitting outside during lunch, and I'm like, what? Like, why am I so weird? So finally, like Thursday, like a day or two before the dance, I get like. a a deal in the mail, like some flowers, and like, please go with me to Sadie Hawkins, call me, this is before texting, and even beepers, I think, and and Facebook, and all that stuff, and she's like, please, just, just, will you call me, and and let me know if you want to go to Sadie Hawkins, and guess what I did, I did nothing, I didn't call her, so finally, Friday morning, the dance is that night, Friday morning, she finally like, like finds me, pins me up down, she's like, do you want to go or not? I I guess you don't want to go. And I was like, no, I do want to go. She's like, what's wrong with you, man? Not really. (laughs) So we went to the dance. The rest is history. But at the end of the day, it was my insanity to run. But it was her kindness to keep chasing. It was my insanity to keep hiding and running. I don't know what was going through my brain. But it was her kindness to keep reaching and asking and sending the bouquet. I wish she had sent chocolate at the time, <clears throat> but it was her kindness. And here's a great definition of grace when an undeserved people receive from an unobligated giver an unbelievable gift, that is grace. When an undeserved people receive from an unobligated giver an unbelievable gift, that is grace. And that's why in, in 1940, when C.S. Lewis was sitting around with, with a ton of, of different religious leaders, they're sitting around at a big table, and they're having a discussion about their faith and what makes them unique. And everyone's talking, and when everyone's giving their input, and they come around to C.S. Lewis, one of the brightest minds of the 19th century, 20th century, he says, they said, what, what makes Christianity unique? He says, It's grace. Grace is ridiculous, and it makes no sense. That's what makes Christianity great. And so heaven will not be full. The kingdom of God will not be full of perfect, good people. It will be full of forgiven people. Forgiven people. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. So my life is not determined by what has happened to me the things I've done, the things that have been done to me. But the trajectory of my life can change, will change, based on the simplest of decisions. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? And I'm not talking about like the Facebook, like what will you do with this slide, Jesus? Let's put that up on the board. Because this is as soon as I say that, a lot of you think of this, and... You've seen these before, and it says sadly, 97% of the people uh, will not share this. Share if you love Jesus. He knows. And so you've seen that before. And so you're there going, I love Jesus, but this is the weirdest slide I've ever seen in my life. Right? How many ever seen one of these on Facebook before? How many's ever liked it and shared it? Be honest, God bless you. God bless you. I give you permission not to do that, all right? Post a sermon or something, right? What will you do with Jesus? Two different responses. And those two different responses created two different outcomes. And this is what I want to close with. Luke chapter. 23 and 39. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. So there was one dude, that first thief, railed, can't you do something? Why don't you care? Not seeing the display of love and grace and mercy and hope right before him. The Bible says he hanged on a cross. John chapter 19 and 32, it says, then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and the other who was crucified with him. So one thief was hanged on a cross, but the thief that said yes to Jesus was crucified with him. This pain, this worst day of my life, the dark night of the soul, everything is caught up with me because he recognized who was in his boat, because he recognized who was hanging next to him. In that moment, this no longer became a hanging, a crucifixion. This became the day where he was crucified with Christ, and this would be the day he would live forevermore. Our decision determines the outcome of our life. So what will you do with Jesus? Galatians 2 and 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Are you crucified with Christ today? Life is gonna bring hardships and trouble and pain, but there is purpose in the pain. The tension that grabs our attention requires a decision. And the information is an invitation into an investigation. Does Jesus really want to have a relationship with me? Does God really care? And the cross is his resounding, yes, I do. I care. Would you stand?